All right. Good morning. I think, is this on? Loud and clear. I'm going to move some stuff around. Uh, there is so much more room up here now. Uh, it's awesome. I can like run laps and do cartwheels. I'm not going to. But if I could, I certainly would try. So I'm going to move some stuff here. Uh, good morning. Again, thank you uh, for being here as uh, we get into the Word of God for a little bit. Uh, just one more quick announcement that Pastor reminded me to mention to you guys. If you look in the back of your seats um, or in front of your seats, there are new pew Bibles. Um, big, large print, easier to read, easier to follow through with. So uh, there's, uh, if you forgot your Bible this morning, we got you covered. Don't worry about it. Um, and yeah, yesterday was incredible. It was awesome. Uh, we started at 9 o'clock, and we started slow a little bit and taking screws out and trying to figure things out. And I think it was Larry. Larry said, hit it with a sledgehammer. So we went up and down the aisles and hit the things with sledgehammers. And oh, it was awesome. It was a great, <laughs> great time. Yeah. And then if you showed up late, you missed all the fun parts. So no, but it was great to see everybody just uh, come together and uh, be a part of, of, of a united body uh, for one reason. Um, you know, it's not to take the pews on to put the new chairs in, but it's like Pastor said, to be united, to move forward, to see something happen in this county. And um, man, I'm excited about it. I'm really looking forward to what God has for us. Uh, this morning, we're going to be in the book of Genesis, and um, it is a little different. There's, it's like surrounded by people. So um, if I'm a little distracted, that might be why, trying to, to figure where to look, where to go. So... Um, will you join me as we pray, and then we're just going to jump right into it. Lord, uh, God, we thank you again for uh, just who you are. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that you're a good father. Lord, we thank you. All the songs this morning that just show us your greatness. Messiah, Emmanuel, name above all names. Lord, the, the Redeemer. Lord, we are here this morning to worship you as individuals and collectively as a group, as a body, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would uh, open our hearts and our ears to what you have for us this morning in your word. Lord, that you would uh, just allow me to speak clearly, that it would be your words, not mine. Lord, that you would take whatever the requests that we have on our minds and our hearts, Lord, the things that we're willing to share and the things that we're not willing to share, Lord, that we would just pour them out into you. Lord, that we would be strengthened, and Lord, that we would be able to truly say it was a, a blessing and an honor to be here in the house of God today. Lord, we thank you for this time. We commit it into your hands, and uh, we, we pray this all in your name. Amen. So this morning, if you have, um, if you, your email is shared with the church, you usually get a, a copy of the bulletin. kind of goes out a little bit early. You can see what's coming up and what's going on. So it's not too much a surprise that this morning we're going to talk a little bit about Abraham. Uh, Abraham, when we first meet Abraham, his name is Abram. I'm going to refer to him as Abraham throughout the message, but it's the same guy if you're reading. When we read, it'll say Abram, it's Abraham. God's going to change his name a little bit later on. And we're going to talk about that real quick. But we're going to talk this morning about situations that are, when is it okay to obey God? When is it not okay to obey God? And some of the teenagers are probably thinking, wait a minute, didn't we just hear this Wednesday night? Yes, you did. So it's one of those those opportunities and instances where I'm like, you know what? This also fits to kind of some of the stuff that's going on on Sunday. And you know what? You guys get to hear it too. So we're going to talk about Abraham. 
When is it okay to obey God? When is it okay not to obey God? When is God calling me to do things? What's my reaction? What should my reaction be? What should my response be? Should I just listen? Should I not listen? How does it all shake out? And what goes on and what takes place? So today, the encouragement here is simply obeying God. And how we can blindly, if you will, follow and trust. And one of the, earlier this week when I was talking about it with my wife, she said, well, what's the title of your message? And I said, well, it's Blind Faith. And she was like, are you talking about like checking your brain at the door? And just kind of, no, that's not. We, we have plenty of evidence to know that we serve a risen Savior. That we don't have to walk around blind. Well, yeah, I just believe it because I just believe it. That's, that's not the point of what we're talking about here this morning. And I've been, I, I got into a book uh, this week called um, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And man, it's really challenging. There's a lot into it, a lot of evidence that breaks down like the belief systems and why we believe this and the proof that comes behind it. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And I'm going to roll that out on some of the students this year. So they'll be excited. They have more reading to do. <laughs> but, you know, obedience is one of those things where it is extremely tough. Not just as a young adult, not just as a kid. I mean, I, I've got a seven-year-old and a three-year-old, and I see how tough obedience is. And I think, man, are they ever going to get it? But then I, when I take a step back and I look at my own life and I, and I look at what I'm supposed to do and I go, man, you know what? I didn't realize I had such an issue with obedience as well. You know, I, I can tell my kids till I'm blue in the face, please don't do this, please don't... Please. Don't do that. And we talked about that a couple weeks back. And we're the same way when it comes to the way we act with God. And when God calls us to do something, or He tells us not to do something, and, and we do it anyway. And God's like, hey, didn't I, I told you? And I thought, why? Because that's, their, that's in their nature. It's their kids. Well, guess what? That same nature lies within us. That same nature, that same response to obedience that my seven-year-old has when I tell her not to jump on the furniture is the same response that I have when God says, hey, I'm calling you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to stop doing this. I need this part of your life turned over to me. It's the same response. It's the same reaction. And we're going to look at Abraham this morning, and we're going to look at two two little parts of his life and kind of skim through some other stuff for some background information and to kind of build on it. But when we first meet Abraham, he's, he's a citizen of Ur. It's the city he's from. His name is Abram. And one day, out of nowhere, God calls out to him and, and gives him a command. But just to get an idea of who he is, Genesis chapter 13 gives us a small picture of who he is. He's, he's uh, into livestock. He's got herds and maybe it's sheep, goats, whatever. He's got a, that's, that's where his... Life is invested in. And when you think about what that means to a man during that time of culture and civilization, he's a rich guy. He's got a lot of stuff going for him. He's probably got wealth. He's probably got a position. He's probably, he's probably known in the community as someone who's got high standards. Not maybe his, his, his moral standards were, were high. But this was a person of high society. He had money. He had fame. He had wealth. He had family. He had everything that you would look at and say, hey, this is a successful man. As God reaches out to him, God makes a promise to him, promises him some land. He promises him generations. He promises him 
more, more descendants. And he promises what we come to see as Christ, as, as the hope of all mankind to all generations. But he also comes and he gives him a challenge. And this morning what we're going to look at is, is the challenge, the response to the challenge, what goes into that challenge, and how we meet Abraham here, and later on when we see God challenges him again, his response to it that time around as well. So if you have your Bibles this morning, or if you don't, again, there's these awesome new pew Bibles. So if you do, if you want to turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to look at the first couple of verses. And most of us are probably familiar with the story if, if you've been to Sunday school or uh, junior church or five-day club or something. But it just says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So this is our introduction really to Abraham and his life and what's going to happen. And God starts out with a calling and he says, Abraham, I want you to get up. I want you to pack up what you have and I want you to go. I want you to go to this land that I'm going to show you. And through this, he gives him his blessing. And this is what's going to happen if you follow me. This is what I'm going to give you. This is what I'm promising you. Now the ball's in your court. And you know... Nothing about this to me and probably to Abraham at that time makes sense other than the fact that God is simply calling him to respond. We're looking at someone who has wealth, who has, who has family, who has riches, who has a good job, who's got a career, he's got everything that he needs in life wrapped up in this city of Ur. And here God is saying to him, Abraham, listen, pack up, pack up all that you have, leave all this behind, and I want you to follow me. Well, where are we going? doesn't matter. Follow me. But what, no, it doesn't matter. This is where we're going. You're going to follow me. It doesn't make sense. And, and trusting God requires us to trust when it doesn't make sense. And that's the first part. If you have it in your bulletins and you're taking notes, trusting when it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Why would it? Here, Abraham has everything. He has his family. He has his life. He has a booming business. And he's saying, I want you to pack it all up. And go. It's not logical. There are times in our lives when God calls us to do things that are not logical. Whether it's walking away from family or friends or careers. Or maybe it's not that intense. Maybe it's something that means more than just being someone who sits in a pew. Maybe God's calling you to take part in, in youth ministry or Sunday school or to help with the Harmony Helpers or to be a part of you fill in the blank. If you look around, you can see, you probably have thought, you know what? There might be a need for A ministry or B ministry or C ministry or D ministry. Well, hey, maybe that's God calling you to say, you know what? We could use your hands on the plow. We could use you to be a part of something. You think, well, it's not logical. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit into my schedule. It doesn't fit into my lifestyle. Well, guess what? If God's calling you to do something, he's asking you to make a response. He's asking you to say, all right, I'm going to follow. And this is what Abraham does. And if we pick up and continue in verse 4, he says, So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Man, we are really good at planning our lives. How many of you have a schedule set up for this week? 
Caitlin, you're going to work this week, right? I know, you're easy. But what's your work schedule? Every day. So you know you're going to wake up 2, 4 o'clock in the morning, whatever time, and you're going to get dressed and you're going to go to work. Jimmy, you're working this week, right? You know what your schedule is, right? You got a job, raise your hand. All right, most of us have a job. Most of us know what our schedule is. We've got that planned out. We know that, hey, on Monday we're going to do this, and Tuesday we're going to do that. And I was sitting at home a couple days ago, and summer's been awesome, and it's flying by, and there's so much going on. And, and um, we drove down, and I thought, man, it's been a while since I've been in the Milltown area for work. And I'm looking at my schedule, I'm like, man, Monday I'm coming down to do work here at the school and at church, and then Tuesday i got to come back down to do work. i got my meeting with pastor, and then... Wednesday we have youth group, and then Thursday we have this, and then Friday we have that. I'm like, wow, we have so much going on. Life is so busy. And then Friday we're packing up, and we're going to Hershey Park. Yeah. No one else is as excited as me. I can't wait. I am pumped, man. It is going to be awesome. But we, we plan our lives out. We plan our futures. We plan not for just this week, but, you know, we look at what we're doing next month and the following month and the following year. And every job that I've had, when I went to the interview... They would look at me and they say, hey, we got a five year, what's your five-year plan? Where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in ten years? And we can all relate to that question because at some point in time, we've stopped and we thought, where can I see myself in five years? Where can I see myself in ten years? What do I have to do to get that? What do I have to do to get from point A to point B to point C? And sometimes we do that and we go through that whole process without ever stopping once to consider, hey, maybe God has a different call for you. Maybe, maybe it's something that kind of coincides with that and it goes down that line, but maybe he's trying to get your attention and he's saying, listen, I want you to go. And I don't want to hear, well, that's great for the young people to hear. I'm in my, hey, listen, Abraham was 75. <laughs> hey, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your status. It doesn't matter who you are. If God is calling you, he's calling you to make a response. He's calling you to react. He's calling you to do something. Maybe it doesn't make sense. I can't see how this makes sense to Abraham. But it says Abraham went and did what the Lord told him to do. You know, the second part of this is uh, it's trusting, following God when we don't know all the details. That's the, uh, the second point this morning. There's no real details here other than God saying, Abraham... I'm going to show you a land, and I'm going to bless you, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. And if we're familiar with the story, we know that as Abraham leaves, God calls him out, and they go out through this place, and he stops and says, see this, this is the land you're going to get. And they go to here, and he says, this is what's going to happen here, and this is what the future is going to hold. And he's revealing details little by little by little. And it's kind of getting the gears turning in Abraham's head, and he's starting to think. He's like, man, all this stuff is going to happen. This is going to be great. And he says, Abraham, you're going to have a son and it's going to be awesome, and through your son, the world will be blessed. There's no, I mean, the details come little by little. And Abraham is forced to follow and to trust. He doesn't stop and ask for more instructions. Well, all right, God, but what am I going to do here? Well, what happens next, and what happens there? God says, hey, I'll take care of all that. Trust me, follow me and I will provide for you. I'll bless you. I'll protect you. I'll keep you safe. I will do everything. Every worry that you possibly have, I will take care of. It doesn't make sense. But I know all the details. 
Doesn't matter. Is it possible that in our lives, God doesn't reveal all the details right up front? Man, you know, we, we are so quick to think either we have it all planned out or we don't. And sometimes we don't have it planned out and we think, well, I am not going to do it. I'm not going to take that step of faith. I'm not going to step out. I'm not going to respond to this call. I'm not going to answer it. I'm not going to let it impact my life. I'm just going to let that call go by the wayside. And, and we ignore it. And we ignore what God is prodding at in our lives. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's not something amazing or, or, or profound or as exciting as being called into ministry or being called to do this or being called to do that. Maybe it's just called to say, hey, listen, you know, you can do better at being an example for Christ. And God's calling in our lives and saying, hey, maybe, maybe you could cut this out. Or, or maybe you could be a better witness to your family. Or maybe you could be more involved in your church. Sometimes we think that responding to the call of God means I have to be in ministry somewhere. That God's going to call me to be a pastor. God's going to call me to be a missionary, and he's going to send me to Africa. Well, you know what? We also need Christian kindergarten teachers and Christian doctors and men and women of faith who are going to stand up no matter what their vocation is and say, I'm going to take a stand for God, and I'm going to respond in a way and live a life that honors him. You don't have to be a pastor or a missionary to spread the gospel. It, it's we're, we're been, we've all been called to do that to begin with. So Pastor Hockle gets up, and sometimes I get up, and Gene and Derek and different ones come to speak, and missionaries come in, and we think, man, it's awesome. They're doing great and awesome things. Well, guess what? You can do the same great and awesome things. Yeah. It takes a response. Because if we're following the plan and the call that God has for our life, it's right here. He follows through with His promises. Is it promises of wealth? Not always. Is it promises of health? Not always. But you know what the promise is? It's like what Paul says. In every situation, I know how to live and how to handle it because God is always active in my life. Whether I'm sick, whether I'm healthy, whether I'm rich, whether I'm poor, when I'm in need, when, I, when, I, when I'm not in need. God is enough to sustain me. Why? Because his focus was on God. He followed the call. Man, I wish sometimes in my life the call that God has for me was much like Paul's. Where he's walking down the road and then there's just this bright light and God's like, Hey, what are you doing? How awesome would that be? I'd be like, All right, God, you got it. I'm going over here. But we don't get that. Instead, we're like, well, God, you know, I don't really know if this is for me. I'm not really sure if this is what... I don't really have these skills. That's not an excuse. I don't really know the details. Look, there's no excuse that's good enough to stop you from obeying the call of God. You can go all through Scripture and you can find men and women that had an excuse. And every excuse that they had, God was like, no... Doesn't work. Moses, I'm, I stutter, I don't speak, I'm not. Uh, right, listen, man, Moses was a smart guy. You know, he had like the best education. There's no doubt in my mind that Moses was just trying to come up with excuses. And, and you look and you see guys like Gideon, and Gideon says, I'm not that great, mighty warrior. 
I think someone may have preached a, a message on that recently, but the, the, the angel of the Lord shows up and he's like, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, mm. I am the weakest of the weak of the weakest. And how many times is that our response to God? God says, I, I want you to do this. I want you to break out of your comfort zone. I want you to serve me. I want you to just, and we go, uh, you, you know, but the, Ryan's like eight foot tall. And he's a, you know, he's like a, a he's a big dude. Like, why not him? You know, he, he's, he, he, yeah. God says, I, I, I got a different plan for Ryan. This is the plan I have for you. And this is the call that I have for you. And we don't know all the details. We don't, we don't know where we're going. We don't know when it makes sense. These are some of the most unexpected things that God has for us. You know, and I, I shared this uh, on Wednesday, and I've shared this before. And before I came to work here at the school, and ultimately before I came here to be a part of this congregation, um, I, I worked in property management, and I was going back and forth to Danbury, and we were praying, and, and I felt God was calling us uh, to be in ministry, and we had worked in the youth group at, at the, our, our last church, and um, you know, God was just saying, hey, listen, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to get your attention. I, I want you to, um, to, to, to be, follow ministry. Just This is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to be a part of. And not necessarily that the door was like, harmony. It was just God saying, I'm calling you into ministry. Are you going to respond? And, you know, I encourage the teenagers now at, at this age to get in tune when, when God is trying to get them to, to, to get their attention, when he's trying to show them something, when there are, are things that are about to change in your life. And I, I've shared this before, and my wife knows, and I, I know for me, when God's trying to get my attention, he uses things in my life. There's uncertainty in things like my career and other it, things that pop up. Where I'm like, all right, God, you're trying to get my attention. I'm going to stop. I'm going to listen. I'm going to tune into what you hear, to, to what you're saying to me. I want to listen. I, I want to be in tune with you. And he did that. And I'm working across the river. And a couple of months before I left, I got a call from my boss. And she said, hey, I got great news. We're going to be, like, reorganizing the, the uh, region. And we want you to consider being a regional manager. And I was like, yes! Everything I've worked so hard for for the last four to eight years is finally coming true. I'm going to be the regional manager and fly all over the coast. And I always made jokes with my wife that one day I'm, I'm going to have my name on the, I'm going to be a partner. And that's, that's where we're going to get to. And it was awesome. I was, I was telling her about it. I was getting really excited. I was going to different meetings and, and, and these, these, these groups with the, the company. And I thought, this is, this is awesome. We, thank you, God. You're going to bless us through this. And he's like, yeah, but what about this ministry? I'm calling, I want you to be in ministry. And I thought, oh, I could do both. It'll be fine. And the more I thought about it, I was like, my schedule is not going to allow for as much involvement. But this is definitely what God has for us. Look, we prayed, and this is what he did. And he's going, no. And then my boss um, showed up one day, and she said, or actually, no, she called me. I got strep throat really bad. I missed, like, two weeks. Of, I was the most miserable person in the world. I was like, I'm dying. My wife's like, Get over it. <laughs> yeah, it was. I sh yeah, she's right. I got better. 
Um, but she called and she's like, hey, uh, I wanted you to hear it first. I'm leaving the company. I'm like, oh, well, this is the person who is like in my corner. I'm like, well, what's that mean for me? And she's like, well, things are still probably going to go in that direction. Well, probably? Yeah, probably. All right, cool. Seriously, by the end of the year, my other boss showed up one day and she said, hey, we're selling your property. Are you selling my property? And she goes, yeah, I'm not sure if you're going to go with it or if we're going to put you somewhere else. And I'm like, wow, so we went from here and now we're here and now I don't know if come January 1st, I'm going to have a job. And we sat and we prayed and we talked with different people and got counsel. And I said, you know what, God, what do you have for me? Show me what you have. And an opportunity came up here, and, and we prayed about it, and we prayed about some other things that happened along the way, and, and we're here. We've, we followed the call of God, but let me tell you something. There is quite a difference, and this is by no means like a pat on the back, or this isn't a call for support or a cry for help. There is a difference. You, you have a comfortable lifestyle living here in a secular world, a secular job, and then God says, well, this is where I want you to be. And some of you are on the school board. You know what teachers at Harmony make. You know, if you look through the budget line, what, what staff on uh, Harmony makes. And, and to look at something like that and go, all right, God, I'm going to trust that, that you're going to turn this into a whole bunch of bread and a whole bunch of fishes. And I don't know where insurance is going to come from. I don't know how we're going to take care of my kids. I don't know if this is going to happen. And God says, hey, don't sweat the details. I'll take care of it. And we had to trust. And every time, every step, every step that we walked and followed God and got closer to that call and responded to it the way that, that he wanted us to, hey, things started getting taken care of. We had an old van that broke down. We prayed about it. We went to the dealership the next day. Um, and we said, we're not really looking to buy. We just were shopping. And we walked out with a brand new car. I, really, I had no money for a down payment. And I, there's no other way I can explain this than God said, I remember I, I have your back. I promised you I would take care of you. I promised you that you would not be in want. If you follow me and you serve me, I will bless you. It may not always be what you expect, but I will tell you, my needs have always been met. My wants, hey, that's a whole other story. Why? Because it's not a need. It's a want. I wanted a Nissan Rogue. Yeah, with leather seats and power locks, I needed a Versa with power nothing. Yeah, hey, it's a blessing, and God took care of us. Now, if I can just measure out my wants and my needs, it makes things a lot easier. But if I can follow the call of God in my life and I can look on incidences like that and I can build towards that and that can strengthen my faith so that way when God calls and says, hey, listen, I'm calling you in this direction, there's no question about it. I'm going to fall and I'm going to go. And we're going to see that in Abraham's life in a minute. But the third part, trusting. Trusting when you are afraid. And if you just flip over to, to Genesis chapter 15, we see that, that there's language in here that talks about protection. And, and overcoming that fear. And in 15 verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And leading up to this, now he's kind of out on his own, and Lot is, 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 is with him, and, and they've just gone through a battle, and they've overcome the battle. 
and they're back. And now maybe things are starting to sink into his mind. I've left my family. I've given up everything. I'm following God. We just went through this battle. And God says, hey, listen, don't, don't be afraid. I'm still in this. We're still in this together. And that's the one thing that we always have to remember. No matter where God is calling you, if you answer that call, you're in it together. You're in it with him. You're not in your own strength. You've got God standing there going, I'm a shield around you. I'm your protection. I'm here to strengthen you. I'm here to support you. And I'm here to lift you up. And I'm here to take care of everything. But uncertainty leads to fear. It leads to doubt. It leads to second thoughts. It leads to nights of sleeplessness. (laughs) Can anybody relate? We've been there. We've experienced these things. We've, we've wrestled with God. And we've stood and we've said, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And God's going, you can't. And if you stick with me, you will. And that's all he's asking us to do. We don't know what comes next. Abraham doesn't know what comes next. Ultimately, we know how the story goes. Everything works out. God is uh, faithful and in upholding his covenant that he made with Abraham. But there's a fourth point on your notes this morning that doesn't really have any verses with it because we're going to just kind of look through some quick things. But man, trusting is tough. What makes it even tougher is sometimes we trust when we fail. Faith is trusting when I fall, when I fail. You could also pencil in underneath this that God is also always faithful when I'm not. And God calls Abraham to go out. And if you know the story, they leave and they come near Egypt. And he tells them, hey, um, we can get favor if you tell them you're my sister. Which isn't a full lie. So they go in and Pharaoh's like, who's this? He's like, that's my sister. Pharaoh's like, I'm going to marry her. Great idea. No, bad idea. Like the whole place gets struck with a plague. And then the truth comes out that Abraham lied. Abraham is, is, what about that whole blessing? What about that whole protection? What about that whole, I'm going to take care of you? Well, Abraham's got it in his mind that, you know, I'm just going to help God a little bit. And this is how we'll do it. We'll be dishonest. We'll, we'll sin a little bit. We'll lie a little bit. We'll try to cover it up. And, and we do the same thing. We fail. We give in to temptation. We give in to sin. It's not the first time it happens with Abraham. He does it again. He says, uh, God says, no, I'm going to give you a son. You're going to have an heir. There's going to be generations. And he says, well, I don't have any kids, so it must be my relative. It must be my nephew or cousin or whoever it was that was joined with him when they left there. And God said, no, I said I'm going to bless you. So Abraham's already trying to figure out, hey, it's going to be this guy. No, it's not going to be this guy. You're going to have a son with Sarah. Sarah's like, I can't have kids. I'm too old. So it must be my, 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 my servant maid. Hagar. And, and they, Abraham goes in, they have a son. His name is Ishmael. And he's like, yeah, I got my son. This is going to be awesome. And God's like, no. And Abraham even has the nerve to look at him and go, please, just let it be him. And that's what he says. He looks at God and he says, hey, look, this is my son. Can't you just bless him? And God says, no. My plan, I'll bless him. I'll give him a blessing. But my covenant, my promise is going to be with Isaac. 
and then we all know Isaac shows up on the scene and everybody's happy and they celebrate. But we're going to fast forward to a couple years later. As we close this morning, each step builds our faith. Each step strengthens what we would consider walking into the unknown. And, and we see this here with Abraham. Because if, if we fast forward to chapter 22, starting in verse 1, it says, Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, Here I am. He said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So we see here another time in Abraham's future where God says, I want you to go somewhere. Is it logical? <laughs> no. Why? Because he said, take your son, we're going to take him up here, and you're going to sacrifice him to me. Makes no sense. How does it make sense? What, what do you mean you want me to sacrifice my son? And that's what he's telling him here. Take your son, your only son, the one you love, Isaac. Bring him up on this mountain. Sacrifice him to me. And Abraham's like, but isn't this the guy who's supposed to be like the generations to come and like the promise and the covenant and all these things? And remember, there was Ishmael and you said no because your covenant was going to be with Isaac. And now all this is going on and all these wheels are turning. He's thinking, how am I going to... My wife's in here somewhere. I think I saw her in the back. But I don't know. If I looked at her and I was like, hey, God told me it's crazy, I know, but told me to take Taryn and take her up to Mount Beacon and offer her as a sacrifice. I'm sure she's going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's going to go, are you crazy? I can only imagine like the gears and everything that's turning, but let's continue here. It says, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Man, there's, there's no second guessing. There's no, God, are you sure about this? It says they rose, they got up early. You know what he did? He went and he chopped wood to get ready for a sacrifice. Now, I've never been asked to sacrifice my child as a burnt offering. I cannot imagine what it would have been like with every split log thinking, man, could you imagine the turmoil, the, 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 the second guessing, the thought? With every log that split, Abraham's thinking, I mean, I just, I got to imagine in my head that Abraham's thinking, all right, God, I'm, you said to do this. You promised me this. It says, on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there and will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father? I just got to imagine it's inquisitive. Maybe it's, there's an exclamation point there, but... I'm thinking, if I'm Isaac and I've got the wood, it's the same thing you'd be thinking. Isaac's not new to the idea of burnt sacrifices. He's not new to the idea of making an offering to God. This isn't new for him. He's seen it happen. Maybe he's participated in it. He's a young lad. I mean, it's been a part of their life. He knows enough to know there's wood, there's fire, there's a knife. Are we missing something? 
And he says, Abraham, and, and he said, here I am, my son. And, and he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Dad, hey, this doesn't make sense. It's not logical. And what does Abraham say? Abraham goes from trying to force God's hand and from trying to, to finagle his way into blessing and protection to simply this. God will provide for himself the lamb of the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walk together. It went from, man, I don't know. It went from, I'm going to do this myself. It went from, well, can't we do it this way? To, hey, God's going to provide for us. And you know, that doesn't happen unless you go through those stages of trusting God and following His call and taking the first step and then the second step and then the third step and then looking back and going, man, I'm way up here and I was way back there and wow, God, you really are faithful. You really do take care of us and you really do sustain us. And it's no different now than it is with Abraham. God still works in our lives that way. He still calls us to give up things. He calls us to sacrifice. He calls us to service. He calls us to faith. And it's our responsibility to respond. There are a number of things that take place in our lives. I don't know what you deal with. You don't know what I struggle with. You don't know where God's calling me. I don't know where God's calling you. But maybe you have an idea of where that is. Maybe you have an idea of what that looks like, what it means to your life. Not just where God's calling you, but on the flip side of that, what it means that I'm giving up. Well, I'm here to encourage you this morning as we close that, hey, following God is the absolute best thing that we can do regardless of what that call is. And it doesn't have to be a call to ministry. It can be a call to something as simple as baptism or a call to joining the church or God's calling you to, to put your hands on the plow and find out how to get involved in a ministry. Maybe there are things. Maybe there's unconfessed sin. Maybe there's something in your life that God's calling you and saying, hey, I, I'm really trying to get you to clean this up and I'm really trying to get your attention here and I'm really trying to get you out of this so I can put you here and I can have you and, and, and have all of you and you can be committed to me and you can serve me. Maybe it's a comfort zone. It's different. I, it is really different seeing the chairs and, and looking through the auditorium and, and it's different. For some people it might not be comfortable. Listen, God is calling this church to do some amazing things. From being um, an outsider, and and I don't mean that in 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 a bad way. I'm saying for years, we were down around the corner at Faith Baptist Church in Montgomery. And some of you are familiar with that church. Some of you know who my father was. Some of you might not. That's all right. That's not what the whole point of it is. Listen, just like we have a history, look, there's no secret. There's history here. And man, I'll tell you, walking through these doors, I have never felt so welcome. And and such like an open family. And it's amazing to see that God is doing amazing things here with us, through us, and sometimes because of us. And I don't mean that because of us in a good way, because sometimes we're knuckleheads and we get in our own way and God has to smack us around a little bit. But hey, if God's smacking you around a little bit, just stop and listen to his call and stop and respond and say, hey, maybe there's something I got to change and get right. I don't know. I don't know where you're at today. 
But can we be like Abraham? Can we follow when it doesn't make sense? Can we follow when there's no details? Can we follow when there's fear? And listen, if we're following and failing, it's all right. We can get right. God can use that in our lives. And He can strengthen us every step. It's just like our muscles. We work out a little bit, we get a little bit stronger. And I felt it yesterday. Man, lifting some stuff and swinging, moving around. I got home and I was like, oh, sore. But you know what? I feel a lot stronger today. And I feel a lot better. Listen, God's calling you to respond. What's your response going to be? How's it going to end? That's only something that you can really determine. I can't determine it for you. pastor can't determine it for you. The deacons, the, the trustees, the, the elders, Sunday school teachers. We can't determine how you respond to God's call. Only you can. Let's close. Lord, we uh, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that um, you've called us to, to be here and to serve. And Lord, I pray this morning that if there's people struggling with responding to your call, Lord, that they would um, just stop, stop fighting, Lord, that they would answer and respond the way, Lord, that you'd have them, whether it's following you or, or getting their life right or, or even if it's the call to salvation. Lord, if there's someone here this morning who doesn't know what it means to be saved, and, Lord, you're calling them, and you've made it clear that, hey, they need to make a, uh, a change, or that they need to respond, or that they would respond to that call. You could come and talk to me or pastor or another member here, Lord, that, that they would be able to leave today knowing 100% that they're a child of God, Lord, that they can experience that salvation that, that you've graciously given us. And, Lord, I'm just in awe of what you're doing here and what you're doing with us as a group. And, Lord, I pray that we could stay united Lord, that we could just follow and serve you without question. Lord, blindly, that we could just get up and go and let you guide our steps, let you direct us, and let you lead. Thank you for being such an awesome God and for uh, just being involved in every aspect of our lives. And we ask uh, these things and, and ask you to bless this time. In your name we give thanks. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you. Have a great day.